6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 31 through 36. It's a Psalm of David, and this says, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and departed. It's alluding to this strange occasion where David pretended to be insane until the Philistines sent him away. And uh, uh, it, it, if you go to 1 Samuel 21, it uh, deals with that whole story. In 1 Samuel, the, king, the Philistine king is called Ashish. Here, it's called Abimelech. And you'll find people who have, have not done their homework, they say, see, the Bible has a contradiction. Here it says Abimelech, there it says Ashish. Well, Abimelech is a title. The Philistine kings were called Abimelech. The kings of Egypt were called pharaohs. That's a title, not a name. And uh, uh, so that's just, uh, when someone raises that as a quibble, that means they just haven't, they're, just, they're underinformed. But moving on. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Some of you may sound familiar because it's a chorus we often uh, used to sing. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David managed to, by pretending to be insane, got the Philistines to kick him out of there. So he was delighted to be outside of enemy territory. He probably shouldn't have been there and been there in the first place. And, uh, but if you go through here, you notice all the verbs to bless, boast, magnify, exalt. This is an active thing. And the name Lord is used 16 times in this psalm. It's all about him, obviously. David continues, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him and delighted uh, and delivereth with, uh, fear him and delivered him. Um, threefold witness in here. He saves, he keeps, and he satisfies in verses 4, 7, and 8. The angel of the Lord, that term is used three times in the Psalms, and many of the, uh, the more competent uh, commentators uh, tend to um, presume, maybe with correctness, that the angel of the Lord is a term for a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And it never shows up in the New Testament because Christ is there in the New Testament. The angel of the Lord is a term that, now, uh, that, that experts differ on their opinions, but some believe it's a, they, they, they believe and, 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 and support their, their views by a number of observations that uh, it may be a, a, the pre-incarnate Christ. In Hebrews 13, 5, the Lord Jesus himself says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So he's never gone. In Matthew uh, 28, 20, it says, lo, I'm with you always. And so the idea that they then transfer to the Old Testament is that the angel of the Lord is always there. It's Christ in his pre-incarnate form. That's just a view. It's, uh, I don't know if it's correct, but at least be aware of, of that view uh, being around. David continues, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David really experienced that. He probably in his life saw young lions. He confronted these things. And uh, now verse 8, O station see that the Lord is good, blessed the man that trusts in him, is quoted in 1 Peter 2, verse 3, and also echoes in, in John 7 and other passages. Sounds familiar to our ears even here. And uh, verse 9 uh, says, O fear the Lord, ye saints, for there's no want to him that fear him. In fact, those that fear the Lord need fear nothing else. That was Cromwell's famous line. And uh, the Old Testament equivalent is, seek, the Lord, seek ye first his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Another New Testament equivalent is Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What's the most, three most important words in that verse? The famous Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. The first three words are the most important. You don't suspect, you don't hope. No, we know that all things work together for good. Not to everybody. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Come, you children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. These passages are quoted in 1 Peter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12. Uh, from 12 to 14 is, is the, the first three of these four verses are quoted in, by, in Peter's first letter. And... Uh, Desire what's good, speak what's true, pursue what is right, and expect what is best. That's the summary of this, of those. Okay. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. See, nowhere does David suggest that the life of faith is exempt from troubles. Rather, if we trust and call upon him, the Lord will see us through our troubles and make them a blessing to us and also to others. So God has a way of multiplying that blessing, not just to ourselves, but to others that may be impacted by it. One of the reasons you may be in troubles is to prepare you to minister to others who have similar situations. Pray that through. That's one of ten different reasons that Christians have trials. You want to check those out. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. So that's verse 19. Excuse me, verse, uh, yeah. Verse 20 is the famous one. Quoted all through the Bible. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. That we just pass by that except for the fact that that's a requirement of the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12, verse 46. It's echoed again in Numbers 9, verse 12. And it's even highlighted by John in his gospel, John 19, 36. Very, very specific emphasis that while Jesus hung on the cross, they did not break his bones, even though this Roman soldier was ordered to. I'm sure he didn't refrain from doing that in order to make sure the scripture wasn't broken. At least he didn't realize that that was true. But in any case, it's echoed throughout the Old Testament. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. It's, a, it's an echo of the Messiah himself. 
Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. And the word desolate means condemned. Condemned. Okay, I'll knock off another one here. The book of Psalms, Psalm 35, it's uh, also one of these imprecatory psalms, interestingly enough. And many people have troubles with imprecatory psalms. You have to remember the enemies that he's calling things down on were rebels against the Lord. The covenant people were protected under conditions of obedience, Leviticus 26 and all through the Old Testament. And... Uh, the battle between good and evil has been going on since Genesis chapter 3. We need to understand that. And you and I cannot remain neutral in this battle. It is a battle. Many New Testament readers are very offended as they read the imprecatory Psalms. It seems so uh, inappropriate. That's because we're not looking at the whole picture here. I want you to compare Jeremiah's continual... Um, tirade against the enemies of God. John the Baptist in Matthew 3 does the same thing. Jesus does in Matthew 23. And the martyrs in heaven continue this song in Revelation 6, calling down evil against the wicked. Psalm 35 talks about protecting me, the first 10 verses, rewarding me in the next uh, eight, and then vindicating me as it closes. Protect me, reward me, vindicate me. Psalm of David. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. The first verse, by the way, has a little mixture of idioms from the courtroom to the battlefield. That shouldn't bother us. The second verse talks about a shield and a buckler. How many of you know what a buckler is? I had to look it up. I thought military science. And by the way, they don't, the dictionaries don't agree. A buckler apparently was a small shield held with a handle at arm's length to use to parry a thrust, in contrast to the larger shield, the thuron, that the Romans used. But anyway, and some, some dictionaries say, well, it's a shield that covers the whole body. That's in, con in, in, in contrast to uh, the more reliable dictionaries. So in any case, it's a, sometimes on the forearm, usually on the handle at arm's length. Interesting enough. Anyway... Um, and draw out also the spear. The word draw there means to unsheath. And David asked the Lord to stop the way against them. Just like he did Exodus. He, he, he stopped the way. He, he prevented Pharaoh's armies from uh, crossing and so forth. So David's, you know, uh, using those idioms. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devised my hurt. And uh, let them be as chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. The angel of the Lord spoken here twice. This is the, the next two last mentions in the book of Psalms, apparently. Um, let them be as chaff. What is chaff? Chaff is weightless, worthless, defenseless, and harmless, and expendable. Let them be as chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. And by the way, when you criticize, many writers criticize David for verses 4 through 8. And they overlooked the fact that David first prayed for their help and their healing before he comes to this point. Anyway, the angel of the Lord appears, as I say, three times. We now have had it mentioned three times. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause they have hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. So he wants them to fall into their own traps, is what he's saying. See? Let destruction come upon him unawares and let his net 
be that he hath hit catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord and shall rejoice in his salvation. Remember, Goliath was slain with his own sword. Haman was hung on his own gallows that he'd built for Mordecai. Maxentius built a false bridge to drown Constantine, then was drowned himself. And Henry III of France was stabbed in the very chamber he had uh, schemed to the, the cruel massacre of the Protestants, while his brother Charles IX was delighted in the blood of the saints, was given blood to drink. So you see irony all through that. All through that. Let his net be that he hath hid, catch himself in that very destruction, let him fall. Probably the most dramatic example of that is the book of Esther and Mordecai and Haman and all of that. And David says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in his salvation. Praise God. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him? Yea, the poor and the needy from him that spotteth him. False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things which I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. It's interesting as we read verses 19, you'll notice that each of the three requests that organize the psalm are followed by a song of praise to the Lord, who is like thee. That reminds us of Exodus, doesn't he? Who is like our Lord, Exodus 15. Now David claims here in verse 11 that he is innocent. The evidence proves that he was innocent. On two occasions, David could have killed Saul, this guy that's had him on the run for 10 years. Twice he had a chance to kill him and didn't. Even Saul admits that David was a better man, 1 Samuel 24, verse 17. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was a sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned unto my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth his mother. But in mine adversity, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects can gather themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they get gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling, my one and only, uh, from the lions. So they're... Anyway, that says it for itself. Well, there are all kinds of betrayal and breach of loyalty. That's what makes gossip so insidious. That's why gossip is perhaps the most painful sin. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among such much people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. That did not begin with Islam. It began a long time before then. Yea, they opened their mouth wide against me, and they said, Aha, aha, or I had seen it. This thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep not silence, O Lord. Be not far from me. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness. Let them not rejoice over me. David's cause was the Lord's cause. The Lord's reputation is at stake. Is the Lord's reputation at stake in your life? That depends how you're walking. That depends how close you are with Him. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, so would we have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed Him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine heart. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. 
Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and thy praise all the day long. David was not like Elijah. You know, Elijah thought he was fighting alone. Remember that in 1 Kings? 1 Kings 10 and 19? David knew that many people in Israel did support him. Those that were living quietly in the land. The word here in, uh, is in, uh, in verse um, 27 is prosperity. Uh, that in the Hebrew is shalom. Which is more than just peace in the sense of a cessation of hostilities. Shalom means um, well-being in every aspect of life. When you, wish, when you say shalom, you're wishing full, fullness of life on the person, not just peace in the, in the denotative sense. Now David's whole life here should remind us of Christ. He also was hated without cause, John tells us in John 15. He was falsely accused. And of course, he had the victory. One more, and we'll call it an evening. The book of Psalms, Psalm 36. The problem of evil in God's world. Have you ever, has that ever bothered you? How evil seems to prosper? David felt that same way. But he praises God's character, and he has a petition for protection against evil and judgment for the wicked. That's basically it. A Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. What a great title. You and I can't be king of Israel, but boy, we, should, we can sure be a servant of the Lord if we put, put ourselves to it. He starts out, The transgression of the wicked saith within his heart, There is no fear of God before his eyes. You know, the, the world says, Listen to your heart. Do what your heart says. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To a psychologist, perhaps. But what does Jeremiah tell us about the human heart? It's deceitfully wicked. In fact, it says incurably wicked. Nowhere in the Bible is the heart repaired. It's incurable. It's replaced with a new heart is the way it works. Your heart is deceitful and incurably wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's what your heart gives birth to. And the other thing Paul says in Romans 3.18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's quoted in Paul's uh, letter to the Romans. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, the word fear there is a different word than you're used to. We usually use the fear of God in the sense of being reverenced, an awe, a reverential awe is the concept. That's not the word here. The word here is pachad, which means dread, terror of judgment. There is no terror of judgment of God before their eyes. That's what's going on here. He goes on about the way before he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He is left off to be wise and to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Micah 2.1 talks about them. They can't sleep until they hatch a new plot. They lie awake night thinking of new schemes and scams and whatever. Now what David does, he doesn't really answer this. What he does, he's not, a, he's not a theologian. He's not a philosopher. David is a worshiper. Okay, so what does he do? He shifts and focus on the goodness of God. 
It is what it is, okay. God has his purpose. You'll notice he'll shift gears here. Um, Matthew Henry had an interesting comment here. He says that sinners are self-destroyed. I think this was worth quoting in here. They are self-destroyers by being self-flatterers. Satan could not deceive them if they could not deceive themselves. But will the cheat last always? No. The day is coming when the sinner will be undeceived, when his iniquity shall be found hateful. See, one of the things that the lost will have to live with throughout eternity is their old nature that they are going to learn to hate. I, there, there, there's a, there's a, I remember in the movie, Heat of the Night, there's a place where this, this wrong person is going to leave this town that's so hateful. He says, I'm going to leave. He's going to move their factory. He says, I'm going to leave them and leave them to themselves. <laughs> As if that's the worst, the way in the content, it's the worst thing she could hope on them is just to leave them to themselves. And this says, Matthew Henry's thought is very similar to the same thing here. Sinners are self-destroyed. Anyway, let's move on. The next five verses are going to, are basically a very concise theology. David was a worshiper, not a philosopher. Mercy and faithfulness, righteousness and justice are always joined. Let's jump into this. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. He links those two together. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep, O Lord. Thou preservest man and beast. It's interesting in his worship, he links mercy and faithfulness and righteousness and judgments. And if I was writing this, I'd put Selah there to stop and think that through. Why are those two things always joined like that? And uh, verse 6 is, you should compare Romans um, 11.33, but let's move on. Verse 7, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. And I suspect the word wings here isn't like a hen gathering her chicks that could be, but I think because of verse 8 that's coming, it speaks of the house of the Lord. Putting this together, I think the shadow of the wings here, I think what's on David's mind, is being under the wings of the cherubim that are on the mercy seat. That's what I suspect is the idiom suggestion, idiomatic suggestion. The word mercy and loving kindness in the Hebrew is the word chesed, which is usually translated love and referring to that covenant or steadfast love. In the, in the NIV and the New, in New American Standard, they make that, that emphasis, actually. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of the house, fatness being prosperity of the house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures, the Lord's satisfying river. And that's a interesting. Find that all through the scriptures, Psalm 46, Isaiah 8, Jeremiah 2, and so forth. Also in John 4 and John 7 and Revelation 22, we find the river used idiomatically there. The river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light we shall see light. Life and light are always linked up together. Light and life together. Psalm 49 and 56, John 1 and John 8 deal with that same thing. That light and life are in some way connected. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. It's interesting that 
Instead of dealing with the philosophical issues, David just took personal responsibility to obey God and to serve him. That's the essence of this psalm. So for next time, I'd like you to read Psalms 37 to 41. Read, read, read each one 50 times, and you can, or whatever. Pick a number, but immerse yourself in those psalms and see what God does. And that goes far beyond any expositional comments I could add, but we will join you next week for the next session. In that, let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we do indeed praise you. We recognize the parallels between David's plight and the example Christ set. And Father, as we confront our circumstances, we know that they're all in your hands, that we are in your hands. And we pray, Father, that whatever lessons you're teaching us, they won't be wasted, that we'll perceive what it is you'd have to learn from them that they not, <laughs> need not be repeated. We pray, Father, that we might grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that we might, like David, not stumble over the philosophical issues, but rather simply kneel in worship for who you are, knowing that you alone know the end from the beginning, and that even as the evil seem to prosper, that even that serves your purposes. May we too, Father, in our lives serve your purposes. Help us, Father, to be obedient, to be responsive to your will in our lives as we commit ourselves to be like David, a servant of yours. Help us, Father, to be more effective as your servants as we commit ourselves in your hands in the name of Yeshua, our Lord, our King. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Mm -hmm.